Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Comic Source. I'm your host, Jace, joined by two uh, of my favorite creators and friends here, uh, longtime veteran creators that are getting a chance to speak to each other, really see each other for the first time, which just blows me away. Uh, but my pleasure to welcome Todd Nock and J.M. Demetrius to the show. Gentlemen, thanks for joining me. It's a pleasure. Yeah, thanks so much, Jace. Yeah. Uh, so just to give you listeners a bit of a background, uh, JM and Todd have this uh, Magneto series, which is set back in the time period that Magneto was headmaster at the, the at Xavier School for Gifted Mutants. And when I talked to Todd at San Diego Comic-Con and mentioned uh, how excited I was about this series, uh, and he said, wow, you know, I, I was I'd love to have you and JM on to talk about it. He's like, well, we've never actually met. I was like, wait, what? How does how does that happen? Uh, but I know you were so excited when you heard about this project, Todd, to uh, to jump on and work on this because, you know, New Mutants and this era of X-Men is right in your wheelhouse, one of your favorites, but also a chance to work with uh, with JM, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I uh, started reading comics in the mid 80s. And so right when Magneto took over as headmaster and New Mutants was one of my favorite titles. And I did a reread of New Mutants because I'd never read the entire series in order. So when the pandemic started, I reread the first 100 issues plus annual spinoffs, everything. So I had when, when this project came down the pike, I was already set for my fresh reread. And then I get a chance to work with JM, who I've been a big fan of JM's writing, especially the 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 JLA stuff JLA JLE JLI um, so I was very very excited to get to work with this, on this project for so many reasons and those being the two, two big ones yeah for uh, from your perspective JM we've seen you do a couple of Spider Man series recently uh, one with um, with Ben Riley and then uh, a kind of a, another sequel to Craven's Last Hunt so setting some of these stories uh, in the past. So how did the project get presented to you and was Todd someone you had on your radar as uh, as an artist? Um, it got presented to me by the editor, Mark Basso, who I've worked with on a few projects. Uh, it's, haven't, the other projects haven't even come out yet, so I won't even talk about them. Um, he knows that that in a lot of ways, one of my fortes is getting into the heads of the of the bad guys who aren't really bad guys in their own heads. Uh, and and um, so he just threw that out at me and said, what about... Now, here's a way. I'm going to do a sidebar here just for a second. Yeah, 100%. The whole world says Magneto, right? Take the O off. What, is, what, what word is that? <laughs> yeah, it's magnet. So why is his name Magneto? It makes yeah. absolutely no sense if you look at the English language. You know, it's just a, there's nothing to make that a long E. Okay, I'm done with that little thing. I just <laughs> you know, I literally was thinking about that on the car while I was driving to work this morning, that exact same thing. It's funny you bring it up. If someone's last name is uh, Benedetto, their name isn't Benedito, it's right. Benedetto. Benedetto. Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> All right, we should wrap this up now, right? <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, you know, and it's funny because I, I, I've never written the character before. And... um and I started thinking about it. And when, when I first got into Marvel, when I was like in junior high school, which I'm older than you guys, so that was back in the 60s, I loved the, the early X-Men comics. I was just, you know, I always say that you had to, you had to love Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four. They were the, they were the two pillars of Marvel. But everybody went and found their own little corner of that one book that they loved that was just theirs. And X-Men in those days wasn't really a big seller. And in fact, a couple of years later, it would get canceled. But for whatever reason, I fell in love with that book. And and of course, if you go back and read those stories and you see 
Magneto of Magneto, uh, walking around there. All he needs is a mustache to twirl. He is like the most one-dimensional villain yeah. you will ever see. And then the years pass and writers come along, especially Claremont, who who puts all this nuance into the character and all these other layers and levels. And, you know, if you think about it, your brain kind of explodes. Well, how did that, how did that guy become that guy? I mean, you know, I, obviously, you know, it's the early 60s. The, the style is different. But still, he is just such an awful, awful human being. He's not even good to, to the other uh, mutants on his team. He treats right. them like just horribly. Um, and I love I love stories of duality of the, you know, kind of the war and the human soul and, and the opposites that we're all dealing with. And the more I thought about it and the more I read uh, the more I realize this may be the the single most complex character in the Marvel universe in a lot of ways. He has so many inner demons and angels constantly at war with each other on so many different levels. And that's what I love to write. So um, I had to say yes. And then when they, uh, Mark brought up Todd and I was like, perfect, let's go. You know, well, couldn't ask for anything more. And as much as I knew of Todd's work before, you know, when you work with somebody, it's a very different thing. And it's been such a delight to see these pages come in. Um, and he start, he came out of the gate really, really strong. But it's like, then the second issue came. And it was twice as good as the first issue. And the third issue's come. And it's twice as good as the second issue. He's just killing it on this thing. The art is just so good. The storytelling is really clear. The character acting is great. There's emotion. There's energy. It's just great, great work. And if I could uh, add, add to that, uh, from my side as the artist, uh, getting to work with Jam's uh, uh, plots slash scripts, it's kind of like a hybrid between Marvel style and uh, full script. It's very u- a unique sort of writing that I hadn't experienced before. It's really, really fun to to work off of Jam's plots. And uh, the more the m- more I've moved th- through the process here, the more I've learned how to kind of... Uh, make the twists and turns and how I want to present the story visually based on what I've read from the plot there. So, uh, so it's really kind of helped. I think with each, each page of each issue, I I'm, I'm getting more and more in tune with, with JM and, uh, and it wasn't that, 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 big of a learning curve, thankfully. It was uh, just really been so much fun. I always look forward to that next, the next plot to see what happens next. That's always been the fun of the, the, the getting the, to read it first as almost like a, a fan that gets to show everybody the story is what's the, what, what, what's going to happen next. And it's always been, it has been a thrill with this series. Well, Jay, I'm showing his experience, right. As a, as a writer, knowing that, you know, you're so familiar, this is your wheelhouse, one of your favorite eras of the X-Men. So, yeah, why not give you a chance to really show off your storytelling? Because from my perspective, Todd, you know, having done this as long as I have, your style is very distinctive and very recognizable, and you get a lot of credit for for your aesthetic, which is 100% earned. I think you sometimes don't get enough credit for your storytelling, because like Cham said, it's always so clear, and there is a lot of emotion, and there is a lot of impact. Just in the way you lay your panels out, um, you know, Who's in the foreground? Who's in the background? When to zoom in? When to do a mid shot? That sort of thing. Uh, would you agree with that, Jam? Yeah, you know it's interesting because I, I, it, I work both full script and plot first. I like I like both ways. And people here here you know Marvel style, and they think of the stories of Stan Lee saying to Jack Kirby, "Let's bring back Doctor Doom," and then Jack goes off and creates a story. It's not like that. My plots are very very detailed, page by page, panel by panel, but. Doesn't matter. Same thing with a full script. No matter how detailed it is, you could give that to five different artists. And in a lot of ways, you're going to get five different stories back. Even if you're saying, this is what I want in this panel, because everyone's going to, going to 
bring those panels to life in a different way. It's like giving a screenplay to a director on one level. You know, no matter how detailed the screenplay, they have a visual sense that they're going to bring to it. So it's it's and the the real joy though of working plot first is I have things in my head. I see the story a certain way. I lay it out a certain way, but then the art comes back. And I may, you know, if I was writing something full script, I might decide, oh, in this sequence, I'm going to use a lot of dialogue. I'm going to use a lot of captions. Well, the art may come back if you're working Marvel style and you may realize, oh, I don't have to say anything on this page. You, you're, you're interacting with the art, with the character acting on the page. And, and so I'm collaborating with Todd and I'm sort of collaborating with myself. I'm collaborating with the guy who wrote the plot. And now I'm making other decisions sometimes that, that are completely different than what I had in mind when I was writing the plot on how I'm going to tell the story or this piece of dialogue that I thought was going to go on page three. Well, that might end up on page five or all this other stuff that I wrote in here because I like to pack it with a lot of information. That's just going to be subtext. That's never even going directly into the story. So it's a, it, it really allows the writer and the artist to bounce off against each other in a great way. Um, so it's, it's been really, really fun, really fun. Yeah. You get a, you get a sum that's greater than just the collection of the, of the parts, so to speak. Right. Which, which comic, that's, that's the way comics are anyway, no matter what you do. Like I said, even if it's full script, give it to five different guys, you're going to get five different stories back. Right. Now, uh, something that I noticed and, and uh, certainly was commented on, you mentioned it, JM, is uh, this idea of the mustache twirling villain when he first showed up and how it was all just an act sort of thing. That, I, I just love that. Being that this was uh, such uh, an area in your wheelhouse, Todd, I, I want to ask you, when did you first become aware of Magneto? Was it in this era where Marvel had kind of taken him more the antihero or did you know him as that villain? And then how excited were you to see the way JM was kind of explaining that duality? Yeah, uh, my first exposure to Magneto Magneto would be, uh, I, I believe, would be uh, in the cartoons, the uh, Spider-Man and his amazing friends cartoons, the one Magneto episode, which I think they might have called him Magneto. They might have verbally said Magneto, and that's what imprinted on my 11-year-old mind. Um, so, so that was my first exposure. The next, the next time I encountered him was in Marvel Superheroes Secret Wars when I started collecting comics. Jumped into the middle of that, bought a three pack of comics, getting issues seven, eight, nine. It's like, hey, he's a bad guy on the cartoon and he's kind of a bad guy here, but is he a good guy? Why is the wasp falling in love with him? What's going on? So, you know, as a, as a 13 year old, I'm trying to, everything's starting to shift. And then by the time I started reading New Mutants and Xavier was gone and, and Magneto was the headmaster, you know, it's like, you know, it's that, that fun of, you know, diving into the deep end of the pool and just trying to, you know, stay, keep your head above water with all the, the weird characters you're now being introduced to and all the, the things that are different from the other media you might have uh, encountered those characters originally. So um, so then after having, you know, re having read X-Men comics for the past 30 years and, and learning about all the intricacies of Magneto and everyone else, uh, when we get when I got uh, JM's scripts uh, and plots here for, for this miniseries, just seeing how he kind of put that all together in, 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 a, in, a, in a fresh way and uh, tapping into some new, new, new aspects of that. Um, it, was, it was just like an honor to be able to get to be a part of a story like this. When it comes to flashing back art-wise, are there any specific uh, challenges? Obviously, you're going to go back and look at the costumes and kind of their aesthetic at the time, but you also want to keep it fresh and have things not look too dated. So is that a challenge for you or does it just sort of come naturally? Uh, yeah, Jam is a speci you know, specified specific scenes, as we see in the first issue. We reference back to issue one. And... Uh, 
I love that in James plot was like, we're referencing this scene, but we're not strictly adhering to doing a panel by panel re re retelling of this. We can, we can flesh things out a little bit. So, you know, changing camera angles, uh, adding new bits, you know, fleshing out that, that scene a little bit more visually. I was still going to draw it the way I was going to still have the same type of line. I wasn't going to try to emulate Jack Kirby to give it a different visual style. It's the entire story is going to be told through my lens of this is how I draw. And, and even with the coloring, the colorist came back with uh, Rochelle's incredible coloring. She came back with a real 1960s look to, it and i was like could we change this more to can we change this more to a present day coloring let's not use the 1960s color filter let's use a present day color filter but you know with photoshop can we can we tweak that a little bit maybe add a, a subtle hint of a halftone uh sort of texture to kind of give it a vintage look without having to go full 1960s four color process sort of palette yeah, and she's Rochelle, so talented. So yeah, uh, and you, I know you work with her a lot. So you guys, I'm sure, have a shorthand at this point for we do. Yeah, yeah we we actually started together on Nightcrawler. So X Men now back to X Men again. But yeah, she's been my go to since Nightcrawler. So nine years we've been working together. Fantastic. Uh, from your perspective, Jan, when looking back on those early issues that Stan and Jack did, uh, obviously you're you're honoring what they did in terms of introducing this is going to be some readers this is going to be the first time they're exposed to that story of him going uh cape Canaveral and attacking and trying to steal the missiles and what have you so you want to honor but really like you had said earlier it's a different time there's more nuance now to story and i, I think readers kind of expect more in terms of complexity of character and it's not kind of that one note um is there a balance there do you worry at all about not necessarily dishonoring, but taking things too far from original intent, or is it just in service to the story is all you consider? No, exactly what you said. It's all in service to the story. I don't think it's dishonoring anything. I love those books. And I think we, we, we did honor those stories. The fun is to take the camera and tilt it now, you know, it's like, this is what you thought this was, but no, it was really this. And, and, um, so, you know, and again, there's a certain nostalgia factor for me because I love those stories, but with all these stories that are set in the past that, that Marvel has been doing lately, I've done a couple of Spider-Man ones we're doing this, you can't think of them as nostalgia books. You know, if it's just for the nostalgia, then I don't even want to do it. You know, it doesn't matter whether the story's set in Marvel of the 80s or, or 20 years from now, you want to tell the best story you possibly can. And another reason why those flashbacks shouldn't have been done in a retro way is because this is Magneto's life. It's the same guy that's thinking back this is his life. He's remembering something. And if we started drawing it in the old style and everything, I think it would actually take away from the impact of the story and become like a gimmick. And we don't want a gimmick because we're like really, really diving deep into this guy's head, into his heart, into his emotions. And, and you don't want gimmicks to get in the way. Yeah. He's such a fascinating character. So complex. My favorite type of and I hesitate to even call him a villain because he hasn't been for a long time. But it's those those characters where they do something that you don't agree with. They do something, you know, horrible. But you understand why you understand why they made the decision. You might not agree with what they did, but you understand why. And that, that's certainly where uh, where Magneto Magneto has has gotten to. I've got you're you right. both doing it now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, 100 percent. Paradigm shift. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but the other point that I want to make here is, you know, you mentioned it can't be just nostalgic because if it is, then just go back and read the original. Exactly. You want that exactly. intent, you know, and he, he's been explored in so many different ways. Uh, and he's become so complex over time. But I don't think anyone has gone back in, to these and represented this and and 
you know, told this idea that it was sort of all an act and, you know, we don't want to spoil everything, but he was planning even back then. And, and the way you presented it made sense when you were approached to do this, did you know you were going to go down that path back to his earliest first appearance? Um, well, we talked about Mark, Mark, the editor and I talked about doing these flashback sequences to go look at, look at, uh, these these events through the lens of who he was at that point the new mutants and then the more i thought about it you know i had to go back to that very first that very first uh, episode um because that's what introduced him to the world and the interesting thing there yes we're going back and re we're recasting it and yes he had you discover he has a totally different agenda than what it appeared to be but beneath that agenda is also a guy who says and if this doesn't work out well, I'll destroy humanity if I have to. Yeah. You know what I mean? So both those things, he doesn't want to, but he's been pushed far enough by the tragedies in his life that if this doesn't work, well, you know, so so it's not like that 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 face that he presented to the world was a completely false face. We're all composed of different sides of ourselves. So that's it's almost like he took one aspect of himself and put it out there. Uh, for the world to see just that one aspect while all these other aspects are going on behind the mask. So, but it wasn't just play acting. That's a part of him also. And he acknowledges that mm -hmm. and he's ashamed of that. So there's always, like I said, there's always this, it's not even, it's more than duality. There's like, you know, 12 different, <laughs> different versions of him within his soul fighting for control. And that's what's so much fun about this story for me, because on some level, we're all like that. We don't wear, or red helmets and, and fly around attacking people. But, in, you know, and as a writer, you have to be hyper aware of that in yourself in order to write these characters. You know, I think the difference between writers and maybe the average person is just that we spend so much time in our own heads that we know, you know, under that rock is our own personal magneto. I'm yeah. going to say magneto. So, <laughs> there. Um, you know, so we, we, we have we, the human soul contains all these things. And that's, again, what's so fascinating about him. Yeah, and there's a realism to it as well, because, you know, we hear about, uh, just to take it in kind of a real world context, we hear about these people that go deep undercover, and they're undercover for so long, pretending to be something, and they, in their own mind, sort of go down that path and do and can do terrible things. And, you know, Magneto Magneto, he, he acknowledges that in the first issue, he's like... Yeah, maybe I really was. You you fake it long enough, and that's what you. That's well, yeah. There's an old Kurt Vonnegut quote uh, from I think it's from the book Mother Night. We are what we pretend to be. Right. Yeah. You know. Um, and the other quote that that I use, I think, in the first issue is a Dostoevsky quote, which is "Good and evil are so monstrously mixed up in man." You know. And these things are often not one here or one there. They're intertwined, and we're wrestling with both both of those things. Yeah, when I saw you put the Dostoevsky quote in there, Magneto says that he he names uh, where the quote comes from. And that made me smile because I know what a big fan you are of uh, yeah. Dostoevsky. Uh, Todd, I got to I got to point out the fact that here you are again, you know, coming off. Last thing I read from you was your uh, Stargirl's Lost Children. Tons of characters. Here you are again with a huge cast. Uh, and I know you say yes to these projects because you, you love them. But is it a challenge? Is it always a challenge to write? Uh, to draw, sorry, all these uh, characters and make sure everybody is kind of getting their chance to shine in the panels and whatnot? Uh, it is a challenge, but it's a fun challenge. It's a puzzle I like to play with. Um, it's it's the fun of kind of choreographing who goes where and, and you know, who who gets the spotlight in which moment and, and uh, 
whether it be for the cover, for the splash page, or the panel-to-panel sequences. It's really fun. And since I love these characters, uh, you know, these are my teenage friends from when I was in high school. It's fun for me to get to actually do a story set in a period that was, form- you know, my formative uh, reading years. So it's like I'm getting to live in the past by telling a story that is, you know, for today, you know, hopefully it will be a, a timeless new mutant story that fits back then, but it's not beholden to the 80s. But just uh, get, so getting to have all these characters, I, I love it. I, I think it's yeah, I think because I imprinted on big cast comics as a kid, like Secret Wars and Crisis on Infinite Earths, the more characters I can get, the more fun it is for me because I get more power sets to play with uh, uh, costumes and, and personalities. That's really fun for me. And someone yeah, we, would be jumping out the window for you know, presented <laughs> with that. It took me a long time. As a writer, too, it's a very difficult thing to to juggle a big cast like that, especially when they all have superpowers and have to use their powers and you have to remember their powers. And then you want to you want to put a spotlight on everybody's personalities and you want it to mean something. And it, it you know it, it it takes some doing, and it took me years to really really figure it out and it's still a challenge and with these particular characters i wasn't that i was i did not read a lot of new mutants back in the day so you know magneto i click with right away you know i have a history with the character and i you know certain characters you just understand intuitively instantly like years ago with craven it was like oh i know who this guy is and i was off i didn't have to think about it but these i had to read a lot of comics and really think about it and it's great to have todd there who has this encyclopedic knowledge of these characters, you know, um, because, uh, you know, to, to jump into a bunch of characters that you know and understand is one thing to jump into a bunch of characters that you're not that familiar with, you know. Um, so that, that's been interesting. A couple hours, like, you know, Rain, I wrote I wrote X Factor for a short period back in the 90s. I, and I remember clicking with her. So she was easy. Warlock, I wasn't really familiar with, but I kind of clicked with and fell in love with instantly, like I do a Warlock miniseries tomorrow, because he's a great character. He is. And the other ones I had to really sort out and remember who's who. And, you know, what does this one do again? And what's her power? Okay, okay, you know, it's a little and, and and when I'd get James plots, me having known these characters, these are my my buddies from high school. I knew what, how to to pair them up. Like when they're walking out of the uh, the danger room sequence, you know, I have Sam with his armor around Roberto because they're best buddies, and I have Dane and uh, Rain and uh, Danny, you know, uh, together because they're best friends. You know, they're they're soul sisters. And so being able to, and of course Warlock and Doug, which is uh, uh, a very classic. Uh, Team Supreme. So, so knowing these their relationships, I, I, I kind of knew how I'd want them to act together, and we'll see that in issue two with uh, where we have more of them. You know, continuing the story. It's like I'm gonna I'm gonna infuse my storytelling uh, uh, capabilities here with knowing their relationships and and playing off of that and allowing Jam to you know dialogue as, as needed based on based on that. So having that freedom to be able to tell those little micro stories with these characters and those relationships based on my personal experience and knowledge and fandom uh, was really a lot of fun for me as a visual storyteller. Yeah, you're bringing uh, a lot of subtext to it. Um, the other thing is, I wonder, is it challenging uh, from a writing perspective? We know this is said in the past. We know, you know, a- after the series ends, however it ends, you know, what happens to them next? you know, for the most part, it's not like you could, you know, kill somebody off and then, you know, they're back from back in the day, sort of like watching that Titanic, right? At the end, you know, the boat sinks. Uh, is there a challenge either uh, artistically for you, Todd, in that, or for you, Jam, when you're, um, when you're scripting? Cause again, you do want to tell the story you want to tell, but there is that sort of limitation, right? 
No, I don't think of it as a limitation. I'm I'm locked into the story. I'm locked into the story that I'm telling. What happens the day after this story ends doesn't matter. What matters is what's happening in this story. Um, and and that's what I was kind of getting at before. You know, it's like it's it's not a nostalgia thing. This is a story that exists on its own. It doesn't matter what time period it's set in. What matters to me is, is this a good story? Are we getting deep into this character's head and heart? So where this character goes years from now, if you have that knowledge, well, that will illuminate this story in a different way. And that's great. But that's not first and foremost on my mind. I'm, you know, I follow the story and I follow the characters and that's all I'm concerned about. Well, there is a new villain that shows up and that's kind of why, why I bring this up. So, and that's always so interesting. First of all, visually, uh, we'll talk about character design in a minute, Todd, but visually she's very striking. And, you know, there's hints of a tie into Magne- uh, Magneto Magneto uh, in, in the way that she appears as well, which is really cool. I know there are going to be continuity people back there that, uh, you know, that nitpick and say, well, then how come we haven't seen her before? Uh, we'll explain. You know, that that very well could be explained. You got to read the story. You got to check it out. But regardless yeah. of that, she looks amazing. So before we hint at, because I don't, again, I don't want to spoil, before we kind of hint at and kind of get Jane to tease some things, talk about getting to create a, a new, I don't even know if she's a villain yet, this new character, uh, Irie uh, or Iray. Um We'll have to go to JM for the pronunci- correct pronunciation. Talk a little bit about the character design, Todd, and getting to uh, to bring something new to this era, which is so unique, being able to go back yeah. and insert somebody into continuity. You know, I really have to give credit to JM because he kind of broke her down, as well as each member of the sisterhood, you know, s- some key points that was the springboard for me to launch into that. So we, we knew there would be some sort of... Mag, mag, I'm going to just say Magneto because uh, that's what I imprinted on Magneto connection. So, uh, so I worked up three or four different iterations and sent them over to Mark and and Drew and uh, JM, and we kind of weighed in on which aspects we liked be- better than others, and kind of cobbled this, uh, you know, th- those those different pieces to make the final final version here, which has been shown in the press releases. And from your perspective, JM. Uh... Yeah, talk a little bit about it going back and inserting this this villain and this really villain group. Yeah, it's always fun to create something new and not go back to the well and just bring back some villain we already know. And without giving too much away, um, she fits perfectly uh, into the scope of this story in that her origin ties directly into past events that we know from early X-Men comics. And that's all I'm going to say. Uh, and and I, I would love to talk. Maybe we can come back in a few months and talk. Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, but she she definitely is is deeply, profoundly linked to him. You know, as she in a way is a mirror of that part of his soul that we saw in X Men number one. You know, that had been so warped and so beaten down by a cruel world that that their heart and soul got twisted. So she too is another one who she's not a villain in her own head. There's no, you know, she thinks she's doing the right thing. In fact, she thinks she's doing the right thing uh, as as laid out by Magneto, who to her is someone that she looks up to and all says someone that she looks up to, admires and emulates. And she cannot for the life of her understand what the hell he's doing, picking up, uh, you know, uh, Xavier's um, philosophy and life there at the school. and, and, And it completely infuriates her. And since she is sort of uh, the queen of wrath, when she gets infuriated, it's not a good thing. 
Yeah, I, but we'll get into her her origin in great detail. I think it's in the 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 third issue, especially really focuses on on where she came from and what made her. Yeah, well, I, I loved everything about her from the way there's hints uh, of who it might be uh, when you see that first attack and shown in silhouette, which leads the reader down one path, and then yeah, to have her show up and yeah, so it, it's almost like in a way she's the voice that. We see Magneto, which I want to talk about a little bit about the decision to have him narrate the story in a little bit. Um, but it's almost like she's the voice that's in his head that's been all these doubts, right? She's that part of him, like you said, JM, um, of where he first was when he first came on the scene and, and this plan. It's almost like that manifests itself and becomes real. And I imagine he, this is going to be a, a, a situation where he's going to have doubts. Like, is is she right? You know, he he seems to be at this point in his life leaning more toward, yeah, maybe the Xavier dream was right. Let's try that. Now he's going to have this other temptation to to kind of go back and think, well, was was what I was doing in the first place is violence the answer. Right. Yeah. She's she's literally going to take him on a journey into his psyche where all these aspects of himself are literalized. So we will we will see all that play out uh, with great visuals, you know, um, and and you know, I don't want to say more. Yeah, yeah fa- <laughs> fair enough. Uh, and then, yeah, from your perspective, Todd, it's like, so not only do we have Magneto Magneto, not only do we have the new mutants, now it's a, it, it's not, and it's not just a singular villain. Now you got a villain group. <laughs> Again, a lot of uh, heavy lifting, but must be fun for you that you're the first one um, that really gets to put pen to paper and bring her to life. I think I've seen you say before, one of the things you love about that is then seeing other creators later on down the line and how they kind of take your initial design and build their own story, right? Yeah, yeah, it's always fun to see, uh, to see someone else's interpretation, to see, oh, it's like, how do they translate the hair or the, her cape or the, you know, the tunic, you know, how, how, um, what, what, what costume elements do they get right? Which ones do they get wrong? Did they misunderstand? Uh, not to say I'm, 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 I'm trying to place judgment, but it's just like, oh, you know, did it, what, did the, the 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 sketch design was it not clear? Did I not communicate that clearly enough, or did they just make a different stylistic choice? So it's just fun to see someone else's interpretation of that character with their lines based on looking at what I had drawn. It's kind of fun to be that on that ground floor there. Yeah, and she's just and you know it's already. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say she's just such a, a instantly classic design and feels very much of that that time as well. So yeah, go ahead, Jam. It's just, it's, you know, it was early, already in my head as I'm writing this thinking, I want to see this character come back. I want to see all these characters come back. You know, we have this uh, sisterhood of evil mutants as opposed to the brotherhood. And we get to shine a little spotlight on them, but it's like, were there five of them, I think? Uh, yeah, five, five of them, five other new characters. And we only have a four issue series. So I'm already thinking, God, I want to do more with these characters and really, really be able to develop all of them. And plus, Based on Todd's designs, they'd make great action figures. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I haven't read, obviously, the whole thing. But, yeah, based on the strength of the first issue, yeah, let's keep this thing going. Uh, yeah, I, I did mention that uh, Magneto Magneto, he's the one that uh, – and, and it makes sense that he's the one that is narrating this sort of in the first person because we really are inside his head. Uh, and before I talk about that decision with you, Jam, I did want to ask you, Todd, is there anything you do – from a visual standpoint or uh, in terms of storytelling visually when it's narrated this way, when, when the main character is the, the basically the voice of the story, do you tend to zoom in more on uh, facial shots or show more emotion? Is there any, uh, keep them more in the foreground, anything you do uh, differently if it's, you know, third person versus first person? 
Uh, not really. No, I think not that I can really nothing that, that I can recall that really stands out like, oh, this is narrated. OK, I got to put on this is the, the template I use for for drawing the pages. It's uh, it's going to be that same. I want to have the, the the different sized figures on the page, the pushing the camera in, pulling back. I'm still going to tell the story uh, as uh, visually interesting or exciting or dramatic or funny as possible or as, as possible or as needed. Um, and then the captions, you know, if, if Jam decided to not do the narrative uh, motif for Mag Magneto and, and wrote it, you know, strictly, you know, all the characters just talking and, and, and thought balloons, then it would still, the, the art would still work. So it, it's, it's set up for however you want. If, if we wanted to go just completely wordless and let it be a silent issue, my, my job is to be able to convey that story as clearly as possible with the pictures if I can. Right. Yeah. The, the, you know, all those emotions have to be there regardless of what the narrative is going to be. Um, the great thing when you're working with an artist like Todd is that I have the freedom to go inside the characters' heads because I'm not I'm not busy explaining what's going on in the artwork. Ah. Sometimes, especially if you're working Marvel style, you know, you write something a certain way, you get the art back and you go, oh, this sequence isn't clear. I, ha I have to spend part of my time explaining what's going. That's why, you know, sometimes you look at comics and I, 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 I over I, uh, I'm overstating this a little bit, but the guy's going, oh, I'm tripping and I'm falling off the roof now. You know what I mean? Because in the in the pictures, it's not clear. And somehow you have to say to the reader, look, he just tripped over that thing and he's falling off the roof. When you're working with the right artist, you don't have to explain those things. So then you are free to go into a character's head and have all this. Like I always I also use, you know, Craven as a perfect example because Mike Zek, just what Todd is talking about. Everything I wanted, everything I laid out in the story is clear as a bell. All the surface emotions are there. So I was free to go with this inner narrative that went to like level one and two and three and four, deep and deep and deep into everybody's heads, because I didn't have to stop the story at any point to explain, oh, Craven's pointing a gun at me and he's going to shoot me now. You know what I mean? I, so it's it's great. But that's because you're working with someone who understands storytelling and comics, no matter how well you draw is about storytelling. You can be the best artist in the world. You could be, you know, Leonardo da Vinci could show up, but if he can't tell a story visually panel to panel, he's not getting any work in comics. Maybe he'll do some covers, but he's right. not going to do the insights, you know? Yeah, it makes uh, it makes complete sense. So uh, when Mark, the editor, brought this uh, project to you and, and you jumped at the chance to, to write this really complex character, yeah, immediately, hey, I'm going to dive in. He's going to be the one that narrates the story. Yeah, especially when I realized what this is all about is the contrast. This is who I was. This is who the world. I love stories that are about the gap between who we think we are versus who we really are, who the world thinks we are. You know, there's so many different levels. And we're all, you know, we're all of us different people in the course of our day. I'm a different person now talking to you guys than I am talking to my wife, you know, or talking to my kids. Or if I go out and walk into a store and talk to the person behind the counter, you know, these are small minimal versions of that but we all do that and then the wonderful thing about these kind of characters it takes all these things that are inside all of us and because it's melodrama and it's larger than life we blow it up but we're dealing with very very real things and that's the fun of it it has yeah. to be it has to be emotionally and psychologically real or it doesn't work yeah and knowing your work and you know we uh, pass you know listeners long-time listeners will go back if you haven't if you're a new listener, longtime listeners will know the conversations Jim and I have about identity and it's just right in your wheelhouse. And when, you know, sitting here thinking about it and when Todd and I spoke about having uh, all three of us on to chat about it, 
the immediate thing that I was left with was why hasn't he written Magneto Magneto before? Because it's like right here wheelhouse. This is a character that is so conflicted and that's what you do so, so well. It just never came up and it never crossed my mind either. So there you go. You know, that, but that's the fun of it. Here I am in this business for like 40 something years and here's something new to do. That's great. And as long as there's something new to excite me and excite my uh, creative brain, you know, you keep doing this stuff forever. Yeah, it's uh, it's fantastic. Well, let me ask you, Todd, because, uh, well, first of all, what issue, uh, where are you at in uh, in the process? What issue are you currently working on? Uh, thanks to having a week off to do San Diego Comic-Con, I'm wrapping up issue three this week and jumping into issue four next week and uh, should have that done by the end of September to, you know, so everything uh, releases on time. Fantastic. Well, you're a little farther ahead of what I've been able to see and what readers have been able to see. And we'll talk about reader reaction in a second. Uh, but I have to ask you, Todd, anything in issue two or issue three, we don't want to spoil, but anything that when you got the script and you were reading it, you were like, oh, where JM just blew you away. And you can't wait for that to be out there for readers to see to kind of gauge their reaction and, and kind of see how people freak out. Anything? Uh, yeah. Oh, I mean, absolutely. There, there was, JM gave me tons of stuff to draw like all throughout the issue. I, I have not gotten bored on drawing this comic. There hasn't been like, oh, I'm in the slow scene. Got to get through these three pages before we get to something exciting. It hasn't been that. There's always been something fun or new or, or you know, wild for me to to, to, to draw. Um, I really love getting to draw the New Mutants interactions. That's that's going to be a given. And we get lots of that in issue two. Uh, issue three, uh, we get uh what, what Mark hinted at towards, uh, we get a little more glimpse into uh, Ira's I um, origin. And, and so getting to tell that story is really fun. And of course, all the, the, the aspects of Magneto that we get to, to tap into. So uh, every, every issue. And now I'm looking forward to what's going to happen in issue four. So it's like, I'm, I'm enjoying issue three, but I'm so excited for everything we're going to do in issue four that uh, I'm just champing at the bit to get to next week. Uh, so there's been no shortage of fun or cool things to draw in this comic. Well, I'm sorry. Issue four is just 20 pages of people sitting and talking to each other. It's just, yeah. <laughs> I've got reference for that. I sit every day. <laughs> you swipe, just swipe Kevin McGuire, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You just, nobody does conversation better than Kevin. Yeah. That's not really what's in issue four, just to be clear. Yeah. Just <laughs> facial expressions. Uh, well, for you, JM, uh, I saw you yesterday retweeting. There's so many people on social media that were just loving the series. Yeah. Loving yeah, to go back. Shocked. Yeah. Uh, and that has to be very fulfilling, right? Because you, there's always a little nervousness when you put something new out in the world, right? Because, you know, I've been doing this long enough. You know, you never know. Because I, I put out stuff that I think is the best thing I've ever done. And it goes so far below the radar that nobody even knows it exists, you know? And you think, oh, that that must have been awful. That must have failed, you know? And then you find out 15 years later that all these people loved it. And suddenly everyone's talking. Literally, I've had stuff, you know, years and years later that people go, this is the comic I love more than. So you just never know. And it was very gratifying to see the positive reviews. At the same time, you know, you have to take it all with a grain of salt, because if you if you completely embrace and believe all the positive views, then you have to embrace and believe all the negative ones, too. And that'll make you talk about duality. That'll really make your brain hurt. But, yeah, people are responding very, very positively. And I really, really appreciate that. 
Yeah, for someone who might be on the fence and might say, well, this is set in the past. I kind of know where Magneto Magneto is now. Why do I need to go back and and check it out? What would you say, uh, Jay, and why why should they pick this up? Other than Todd's amazing art, right? Along with the amazing art, I think we're shining a light on this character. You know, the challenge is always, especially with these characters that have been around forever. I always say you got to saw off the top of their head, get your flashlight, poke around and look for corners that haven't been illuminated before. Mm -hmm. And that's what I tried to do with this story. And I think... With all the stories that have been over the years, uh, been done over the years, I think we 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 sh- we found a little corner or two that we we've shined a light in there that you get to see him in a way maybe you've never seen him before, and that's uh, I hope that's a good thing. Yeah, well, being that uh, you're such a fan of this era yourself, Todd, as a fan back in the day, would you say that uh, that JM was able to accomplish that? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I, I was never in doubt knowing that Jane would be writing this. I knew we'd get something top notch from beginning to end. So one of like I said, one of the main reasons I wanted to do uh, this project. It'd be funny if if his answer was no, he failed miserably. No, no, he didn't really bring anything new. But the excitement I had for issue four was just kind of a lie. Just like they let the air out of the balloon. It's just awful. I'm letting my wife draw issue four because I really can't stomach any more of this. Oh, it's fantastic. Well, it's been great chatting with you both. Uh, always a pleasure to see you. Uh, anything else that you want anybody to know about this series, Todd, or anything else that you have coming up that you want to tease? I'll give you the floor for uh, for that. Uh, you know, yeah, make sure you, you pick up issue one while it's, you know, hot off the, the, the press and go ahead and add issues two and three and four to your, your uh, pull list so you don't miss out on that. And other stuff I have coming out, there's just a bunch more Marvel covers. So uh I'm bound to be on the, the shelves a couple of times a month, at least with covers. And then, of course, this story. Gotcha. Uh, any uh, other conventions you have coming up for the rest of the year? Oh, want? I'll be at New York Comic Con in early October and Nashville's uh, Music City Multicon in late October. And I'll have that information up on ToddKnock.com here real soon. Great. And I'll put a, a link, as I always do, to Todd's website and his uh, his Twitter as well. So, yeah. Uh, how about you, Jam? Anything um, that you else that you want to tease or share? Sure, or, sure. Uh, well, I'll to go back a little bit. In June, the collected edition of Spider-Man The Lost Hunt came out, a um, story I, I'm very proud of. Um, this, obviously, I'm working on, I was on, I think the last time with you, didn't want me talking about the Demultiverse, my mm-hmm. uh, big Kickstarter thing. I'm working on the second volume of that, so I'm writing uh, second chapter of all four of those books right now, which is a blast. I've got a new novella coming out in September called The Witness with illu- uh, 10 illustrations by J.H. Williams. Beautiful, beautiful illustrations to go with that. And I'm sure there's more. Oh, I have a, another Spider-Man thing coming up, but it's top secret, so I can't get into that. So gotcha. it's about you, any, uh, any convention appearances coming up? Not like- this year. Maybe, maybe uh, I haven't gone back since COVID, so I'm thinking... Uh, maybe next year. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I'll put a link to JM's Twitter as well. Really encourage you guys. Uh, you can follow his work. He talks about when new stuff's coming out, collected editions, all that sort of stuff. So uh, give him a follow there. Uh, again, appreciate it, gentlemen. Uh, it's always a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. And Todd, it's great to to see your face. <laughs> the same here, JM. Thanks so much for arranging this, Jace. It's been a lot yeah, of fun. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. And uh, I'll express my thank you to all you listeners. As always, we appreciate your support. We appreciate you joining us and we'll talk to you next time. You can find the Comic Source podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. 
Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.